Now, if, if you recall, this is, ex- again, the same exact text that we looked at last week. But I just want to continue to press the issue that Paul is pressing here. You know, Paul had left the church there in Thessalon- Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, but his desire was to go back and see them. But he couldn't, so he sent Timothy to check out how they were doing, to see if they had uh, continued to be steadfast, to, to see if they continued to stand in their faith. That, that Paul really wanted to know that if his work had been vain, if it, if it had been without effect, and, and if they'd carried on, that would be a wonderful thing. And so Timothy came back with a report that encouraged Paul greatly and told Paul that their faith is growing, they love people, and that love is showing forth. Love doesn't really matter much, folks, if it's not seen, if it's not felt, if it's not uh, uh, acknowledged by, by people. If, if that love is contained, is it really love? And, and so Paul got this report and said, man, Paul, they're loving people. The love of Christ is shining out and it's showing forth. And Paul said that that news gave him life. It encouraged him. I mean, I get that, don't you? That you're in the ministry. And when you hear that the people that you pray for and you minister to in you know, God's church, when that's happening and they're growing and they're loving and they're, they're doing what God's called them to do, man, that gives you a step in your step, doesn't it? It encourages you. Don't you, those of you who are discipling people, where your life is affecting the life of others for Jesus, Aren't you blessed when you see those that when they came that the babies in Christ and yet now they're going around doing ministry? Doesn't that encourage you? You know, you know, we see that here. And I praise God for that. Basically, Timothy came back and said, Paul, they're growing. And Paul said that's what gives him most joy to know that that's happening. And he says in verse 9, you know, for, for how can we thank God for this? How is it possible that we can thank Him enough and to thank Him properly to know that you guys are growing? It says, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. I mean, what a blessing that was to Paul. Folks, you ought to be happy when God is using other people for His glory and honor. Amen? There ought never to be a place in our heart for jealousy or, or for anything like that. One of the biggest issues I think pastors and ministers have, we, we, we outwardly think, hey, praise God for that work to being blessed. But inwardly, you're so laughing because you know. But in, inwardly, you know, why is God blessing that work and not our work? You know, why is that happening over there? And, and, and that contention happens. And, and we don't want any part of that. And that should all to, all to drift down to people of God as well. When God is blessing someone else, praise Him for that. You know? Be encouraged that God is using other people. And don't ever think that because He's using someone else, He's not using you. You know? Don't ever measure yourself like that. Bible says when you compare yourself with others that way, man, it's not a wise thing. And unfortunately, I've had to learn the hard way not to do that. And Paul's, he, he, Paul is so blessed and so encouraged 
Because that church is loving and growing. And we established that fact last week. And I need you to understand, this wasn't a church that wasn't necessarily growing. They were growing. And this wasn't a church that wasn't showing the love of Christ. They were showing forth the love of Christ. They were doing what Paul had left them to do, what he had taught them to do, what he had trained them to do, what he had been praying for them to do. But yet, Paul still longed to go back and see them. And the reason he wanted to go back to see them is because there were still some things lacking in their faith. Paul wanted to go back to them and to teach them once again. To sit with them in the rooms, lit up with them crazy little pot candles and, and have all that smoke in the room and, and late at night and, and maybe, maybe he, he longed to have you know, another late night preaching session or teaching session and have them all packed into that room. And Paul just yearned within his soul to go back and tell them more about his Christ. To strengthen their faith that they had in the Lord. It doesn't matter where you are at in your Christian life. Don't ever succumb to something from the devil that says you have attained. Don't ever become satisfied and therefore pull back and say, you know what, I've done all that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place in my faith. I really don't need to press forth anymore. Paul was an old man not too long from death, and he said, I continue to press forth. You know, he never gave up. He never wanted to just stay where he was at. He wanted to keep moving forward for the glory of Christ. And he said, I want to come and strengthen your faith that you have in the Lord. And I want to do this in person because there's things that you still need. And church, it doesn't matter where we're at. There's always, do you know this, a good reason to be in church? Set aside the worship part. Set aside the fellowship part. Set aside that the Bible tells us that we ought to uh, come together uh, on the Lord's day and do that. But we ought to be in church because, you know, there's a good reason why we need Bible studies. There's a good reason why we need the teaching and the preaching from the different various services and styles of teaching that we, that we have in the church. You know what it is? It's so that we can be strengthened. You know, I've been serving the Lord for, I don't know, how long actually? Since 1990. So what does that mean? How long? 25 years, 26 years. Praise the Lord. Do you know what? I realize now that I need more teaching than I've ever needed. I realize now that in my own life, I need more input from that book and from God's Spirit teaching me and help me, helping me to grow than I ever did before. It seems like the more you understand and the more you know, the more you realize you don't understand and the more you don't know. And therefore, you need to continue to grow and to be in that book. And isn't it a wonderful thing that we can never drain what's in this book? It can never be exhausted. It can never get to the point where, where it's dull and boring in and of itself. Amen? That, that's a wonderful thing. And Paul, he wanted to do that. That's not what I'm preaching on this morning, but that's, in my notes it's called a side note. It means it's a little thing that I like that I thought I'd share with you. So Paul wanted to do that. He wanted to make up what was lacking in their faith. And folks, 
That's why we need to be here. That's why you need to get together and study with, with people that you love. Get with people on a Sunday afternoon now that you have that time. And, and go have a meal with them. Open up the Word of God and say, look, this is what we heard in the message this morning. What do you think about that? How did that speak to you? Grab somebody that's new and say, look, hey man, you want to go get a, a sandwich? You want to go get a cup of tea? And, and then just get the conversation on the Word of God. Disciple each other. Grow in faith with each other. Don't think that once the hour and a half is up that things are done. There's so much more to do. Amen? God's calling us to get involved in people's lives. That's what Paul was doing. But he couldn't get there yet. He's busy. Things weren't allowing him to go back to Thessalonica to teach these folks. So what did he do? Paul fervently prayed that he could be with them. The Bible says he did that night and day. That the Lord would bring him back to the people in Thessalonia. But it wouldn't happen. It didn't happen here. And, and so what would Paul do instead? Look at verse 12 and 13. And I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it for time. What did he do? Well, here's what he said. He said, he's praying now. He said, Lord, I'm asking you to do something in these folks. And here's what he said in verse 12. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. What a neat little thing here. Paul took holiness and love and he brought them together. And he says, you know what? I cannot be with you for now. But here's my prayer for you. Here's my prayer for you that are in the church. That you, those of you who love God, those of you who are loving people, those of you who are serving, those of you who are growing in your faith, here's my prayer for you. Not for the ones who are backslidden. Not for the ones who, who are struggling with stuff. But for the ones who are serving Christ and loving Christ and loving people. Here's my prayer. That God continue to work in you and that He Himself makes you increase and abound in love. Why? So that when you stand before Him one day at the return of His Son, that you will be found in this situation with, with, in, in your love to people, your love to Him, that you would be found blameless, without excuse, why you stand before the Lord. And there's a reason why Paul's prayer for them was, th was this way. That it's because that one day we will all stand before God. Andrew was talking to someone this week that we're going to stand before the Lord and answer for what we've done in this life, good or bad. I will answer to the Lord for how I've pastored you. I'll answer to the Lord for how I've fathered my family. I will answer to the Lord for how I've uh, I was going to say husband to my wife, but you understand what I mean. You will answer to the Lord. I will answer to the Lord. And Paul says, you know, you're going to answer to the Lord how you loved people. It's easy to love lovable people, right? But how many, do you know what? I think I've got a, probably a few more unlovable ones than I have lovable ones. Or at least the unlovable ones make more noise than my lovable ones. And so I feel like I got more of them. I'm not quite sure what it is. 
but you, you understand what I'm saying. It's easy to love people who agree with you and who are like you and who are going along with you, but man alive, it is hard to love them people that aren't walking the same direction. And yet God has called us to love people. You know, and we're going to stand before Him and we're going to answer for a lot of things. And one of the things is, how'd you love? How did you love? How did you love the people that were hard to love? How did you love the people who were easy to love? And you know, in our text, Paul says through the Holy Spirit that we're to love the people of God and we're to love all. That all, folks, is those who are not of the people of God. In other words, we're to love brothers and sisters in Christ, the ones that are easy to love, and the ones that are hard to love. We are to love everybody else too. The ones who are easy to love, and the ones who are hard to love. And we're going to answer for how we love. You know what? It's a real cool thing to me. Paul took a church who was growing in faith. Paul took a church who was loving like they ought to love. And he says, I'm praying that God does a work in you and increases how you love so that you abound in that love towards people. You know what I see from this? It's not enough. We ought to never be plateauing in how we love out the love of God to the world that we live in. We ought to never be plateauing in how we love people. And I'll just give you another side note. I'm preaching this because it's in the Bible and I'm preaching this because I need it. What a challenge it is for me to love certain people. What a challenge it is for me to not get angry and show love instead. And guess what? I fail. I fail at times of battling this, I'd rather nail you than love you. Don't raise your hand, but any of you ever get like that? And so the point is this, that's why Paul is praying for them. Because they need God's help and God's work in their life to love who they need to love. And they need God's help and work in their life to continue to grow in their faith, in their ministry, and how they are serving Christ. They need God's help to increase and to abound in love towards those people. And if we do that, when we one day stand before the Lord, in this situation, according to this text, we will be blameless without excuse in holiness, our separation to the Lord. You know, when we talk about holiness, we often talk about, you know, the things that we do, our clothes, our music, our movies, the drinking, the, 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 the unsafe people that we're hanging around, all that kind of stuff. And we, we talk about these outwardly things, rightly so. Amen? Rightly so. And there is a way in which we are to live our testimony out in this world. But you know, I see this connection in our text that not only ought we have a standard in those things, but we ought to have a high standard in how we grow in faith and how we love people. Paul takes these two verses here, 12 and 13, 
And he says, The Lord make you increase. In what? In love toward one another. Why? So that in the end, He may establish your hearts unblameable without excuse in holiness before God. That love and holiness there seem connected to each other. So yeah, we can wear the right clothes and we can watch the right movies or, or listen to the right music and, and stay away from drinking and stay away from smoking and stay away from all that stuff. But let me ask you a question. How is our holiness in how we love people? We see it at church sometimes. Someone walks in the building this way. Someone's walking this way. They kind of halfway see each other. And what do they do? Talk to them, and off the way they go another direction. That ought not to be so, right? I was talking to someone recently. Do you know what? Some people are just prickly. But we're still love we're still to love prickly people. You know what? Maybe this is what we're going to hear one day. The Lord speaks and He says, you did well in what you wore. You did well in where you went. You did well in abstaining from the things of the world that would uh, um, cause you to be worldly. You did well in keeping yourself from worldliness, from that world's philosophy and allowing it to creep in and affect your faith. You did well in that. But why did you not love? can't have the one without the other why did you not love i don't ever want to hear that fact you know last night i took my littles as lisa was off celebrating her 50th and uh um they brought her a little cake and and the waiter's like which one of you gets 50 <laughs> you know I, none, none of you people look like you're 50 and my wife was very very happy about that and uh and 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 so where am I going with that story? Oh, thank you. I love my church. They help me. So I'm taking my littles to the bonfire, Jake, Lissy, and Micah. And we're about half froze to death out there. And um, we're waiting for the, uh, big, the big set of fireworks going on. And I just got my arms around the kids. And we're, we're just jumping up and down and eating candy floss. And lots of candy floss, by the way. And maybe that's why they didn't sleep last night. And uh, just having a great time. And one of my kids looked up at me and they said, said, Dad, yeah, man, I love you. Yeah, man, my heart just melted. See, love, love changes everything. Love affects everything. Love gives purpose and cause to what we do. I didn't want to go to the fireworks last night. Lisa actually said to me, I am very surprised that you took the kids to the fireworks. Because you know what I thought? I thought loving the children is probably more important than working on the order service and all the other different things I had to do. So I went out and I loved the kids. You know what reap great benefits from that last night? Church, you know what we'll do? We will reap great benefits if we as a church don't set aside truth. Compromise nothing.
when it comes to the Word of God and its truths. Never compromise a thing. But what great effect that we would make within our body of Christ, what great effect we would make within the world that we live in if we actually did what Paul's praying for here, that we would increase, grow, abound in our love and in our faith towards what we live in today. It just seems to me that there's a connection between holiness and love and being without excuse before God when we stand before Him one day. You know, it's an absolute natural thing. To love is natural for the believer in Christ. You know, we already love to a certain degree. And the reason for that is that the love of God has been shed in our hearts. The Bible says in Romans 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Spirit of God that, that was given to us. You know, when the commentaries say that God's love for us has been lavishly poured out to the point of overflowing within our hearts. And God has implanted within our hearts evidence that we belong to Him and that we love the One who first loved us. If we so love Christ, we must also love those whom He loves. And beloved, He loves the world. Amen? But love doesn't mean that we... we what's the word? Curtail? Love does not mean that we back down and allow the world's sin to be accepted or to be approved of. It doesn't mean that we, we back away from absolute truths and principles in God's Word that direct our life and how we are to live for Him. Love sometimes is immovable when it comes to those things. You know what else the Bible says about love? A verse that I hear all the time quoted. It's a great one. 1 John 4.19 We love Him because He first loved us. Amen? Anybody ever hear that verse before? You ever read it? You know what it says after that, though? See, it doesn't stop there. You hear you got Paul, the apostle, praying for this growing, loving church that God would do such a work in them that they would increase, love more, abound, grow, change in their love. That's really what those words mean. That they would change in their love and grow in their love towards Him, towards brethren, towards the lost world. You know what? Look what this says. We love Him because He loved us first. But it doesn't stop there. Listen to what it says. It says, if someone tells me, and I'm just paraphrasing my head, if someone tells me I love God, and yet in the actions of his life, he doesn't show that, and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother. Amen? Hey, Christian, what is love? Love is not word only, but love is action and deed of the heart towards people. Love sometimes means bearing with prickly people. Love sometimes means a lesser me 
for a greater God that can work in the lives of those people. You know a situation that we live in right now. I have someone in my own family in my life that is hard and difficult to love. And you know, sometimes I fail in that love. And sometimes I don't. And here's the point. This is why I need what Paul's praying for. Paul has said, you've got to this point, but I'm asking that God will do more. I'm asking that God will help you to love more. I'm asking that God will work in your life and change you so that you can love more. You know what he's saying here? Folks, we need a work of God in our life to help us to love in a way that's pleasing to God so that we are without excuse when we stand before him. It was already stated in the word that these Thessalonians had faith, that they had love, that, that their walk encouraged Paul, though they still had things lacking. That is why he wanted to return and teach them. But since he could not now, he prayed this, may the Lord make you increase in the bound in love. Oh man, uh, I'll pick someone. Uh, Sheila, easy one to pick. Man, Sheila, I know you love people. We have been the recipients of your love over the last eight years. You've been a blessing to the people of God here. Picking, I could pick Hazel as well. Now, I'll get a text later that says you shouldn't have said that. But I'll pick Hazel. Hazel loves the Lord. And she loves people. And you know what God, Paul is saying? Paul is picking people like that and saying, I'm praying that God would grow in your life and increase in your life and abound in your life so that you'd love more. You know what? We are to love in that way. But I can't do it on my own, so I need God's help. Amen? I need God to help me to love. I need God to work a work in my life. And that's why Paul prayed that prayer. This could only be accomplished by a work of God within them. You know what this is really all about for us as a church? It's not about, oh, pastor's talking about love again. So that means he probably wants to go us and Go out and have us stand on the streets again in the wintertime this time and pass out leaflets. Or pastor wants us to do this other ministry. Or pastor wants to add this thing. Pastor doesn't want that. You know what pastor wants? I want God to work in us that we would love like we should as growing believers in Jesus Christ. You know how it's going to happen? Listen, church, this is where it is. It's not going to be by doing programs and plans. It's not going to be by reading the five love languages and, and learning how to love people in their language of love. The way it's going to work is by prayer. You know, prayer goes where our works can't. You, did you know that? Prayer goes where our works can't. Prayer inquires. Prayer solicits the divine interaction of our living God in matters that we cannot in our own way affect. And that's why Paul brought in prayer for this topic into the lives of the Thessalonians because it was only God that could work a work like that. Amen? Listen, I don't want to remain where I'm at. And I know I struggle with loving people. Look, I spent nine years in the army. I'd rather blow things up than bring them along in care and love, right? I'd rather just say, ah, forget it, don't need you, I'll do it without you, go on my way. But that's not what God's called us to do, is it? 
God has called us to love people and to bring them along in serving Christ together. And if I'm going to bring people along, I need God's intervening work in my life. And so do you. So here's how it is. Love is the goal. Prayer is the means. Because God's transforming power is our need. We need God's help. We need God's work. You know, and I'll close with this. For those of you who are new, closing doesn't actually mean closing sometimes. It just means I'm telling you that I know it's about that time and we're bringing it down to an end eventually. Jesus was up on Mount Hermon, the Mount of Transfiguration. I think he was, what, with Peter, James, and John? Uh, I don't remember. And he was up there with those three disciples, and I think it was Pete who wanted to build some uh, tabernacles for, for the three that, that were in with Christ there. And was it Elijah and uh, Moses? And, and so you got that whole story. So they come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and they see the other disciples. And the other disciples, and there's a big crowd around them, there's a fuss going on, and the disciples were out there trying to cast this demon out of a, a demon-possessed child. And the Lord was like, man, what's going on? And so they go over there, and what's happening? And the father said, look, I came to your disciples because my kid has had this demon for a while. Now, I wanted them to cast it out and to heal my child, but, but they couldn't do it. And the Lord looked at him and said, well, you know, why couldn't you do that? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for, for I say unto you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move and it'll move and, and, and all of that. But listen to what he said at the end. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 21. Because there are situations and circumstances in this life that cannot be transformed simply because we try to change them. We need God's power. We need God's work in our lives. You know what that little section of Scripture teaches us? I won't go into all the prayer and fast. It just teaches us, you know what? There are things that we can't change and we need to pray for God to work in those things. And that's what Paul's saying. Church, how are we going to love that Christian that is so hard to love? We need to pray that God would increase and abound our love. How are we going to love that neighbor? And I got a neighbor, man. How are we going to love that neighbor that whenever I crank up my bike, <laughs> they come running out to me telling me it's too loud? And maybe it is, but it is what it is. Amen? And, and so how are we going to love that neighbor? How, how are we going to love the, the man that every time I, I, I go past his house, he glares at me? You know what I do? I smile. And right now I'm just trying to break down the barrier. I smile and I wave at him. And I look at him eye to eye. There's a guy on our street that people are terrified of. He, I think he has some mental issues. And he is a scary looking dude. He is just terrifying. And a few weeks ago, I've been doing this for a long time. But a few weeks ago, my family was with me. And they saw me do it for the first time. And the kids were like, Dad, why'd you do that? Because as we drove by that very menacing scary looking fella i looked at him i called his attention i'll wait a big wave because you know i want him to see me 
a big wave. And, and the first time I did, he goes, do you know why? And we got to love people. But in and of myself, I don't really like to love. But as a believer in Christ, the love of God is in me, so I'm going to naturally have a love for, for the people, but usually it's the easy ones. So how am I going to love beyond that? I need God's work. You know what Paul's teaching us? He doesn't actually tell us, but Paul is teaching us, here's how it's going to be done. We've got to pray. That's from, from, from Chloe to my right, whose birthday is this past week and turns like 92. And to Renato over here, you know what we need to do? We need to seek God in prayer. Because this kind of work only comes out through prayer. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, Jesus went off to pray. And his disciples saw him. And when they got back, they said, Lord, you're off doing this prayer thing. Can you teach us how to pray? And that's where in, in Luke, because you have it in Luke and Matthew, the story. And in Luke, it gives us the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. You know, hallowed be your name, kingdom come, your will be done. Give us our stuff this day, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've done us. You know, the, you know the Lord's Prayer. And so he gives that as an example. And as I read that Lord's Prayer the other day, I realized, man, it is God working. God supply. God meet the need. God you be praised. God, you take care of it. God, help us to forgive like you have forgiven us. God, do a work in us. And then, and then you know, it doesn't just stop there. In Luke, he goes on to say, there are certain things in life that you just can't say, all right, Lord, help me, amen, and walk away from it. There are certain things in life, and this being one of them, to love in this world, that you need to be persistent in your prayer. Say, Pastor, but I've prayed. You need to be persistent in your prayer. You know the story. Which of you who has a friend and you go at midnight and you say, friend, give me some food. And the friend of mine has come. Uh, I've got this other friend's come on his journey and I need to feed them. Would you give me something? And, 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 then, and then they say, don't trouble me. The door is shut. My children are asleep. I can't rise and give to you. And I say to you, though he will not do that because you're his friend, yet because of your persistence in coming to him, he will get up and give you what you've asked for. You know what that's teaching us, church? That we need to be persistent in our prayer. You can apply that along the lines of your prayer life. I know for a fact that I struggle at times praying. Praying is not easy for me at all times. But you know what the Bible's teaching us? If we want this work of God done, there needs to be a persistence in our prayer life. Why? Why do you persist? You know, in Luke, it continues on the story out of Luke chapter 11. How do we pray, Lord? Through the Lord's prayer. But you need to be persistent in your prayer life. You know why? I say to you, ask, because it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find it. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks will receive, and he who seeks will find, and to him who knocks it will be opened. You know why? God answers prayer. And, and I'm not going into a thing about answered prayer, but the point is, 
we pray and we can receive. Why? Because if a son asks for bread from a father of this world, would he give him a stone? Or if a son asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead? Or if that son asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Listen, the point is this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly, gracious Father give to you? In Luke, it says the Holy Spirit. In Matthew, it says the things, um, good things to those who ask. Andrew, you know what you and I need? To grow in love for people. And to grow in our faith. Church council, you know what we need? We need to grow in our love for people and in our faith. Church, listen, I'm going to make you mad sometimes. I'll say something. I'll keep the service longer. I'll do crazy things at times. You know what you need to do? You need to love me. I'm not talking about sin and how you deal with that. I'm talking about just in the natural, everyday crankiness of our life, how we get on each other's nerves at times. And we get tired of one another at times. We need God to work a work in our life so that we love each other. Amen? How are we going to do that? We need to pray. We need to talk to the Lord. Can I ask you a question? I'm going over a little bit longer, but you can't leave until I'm done, so it's okay. We need to realize that one of the most important things in our life for those things that really count, that God needs to do them. He wants us to pray. The Lord desires the salvation of the lost more, way more than we, than you and I. He is able to save, but we are to pray. We're to persevere. We're to seek His faith. And I was thinking about this. Why don't we pray before church? Don't need an organized effort. We don't need a sign-up sheet. We got empty pews before church service. Why can't we have people in the pews praying for God to work on the people who might be sitting there, God to use the messenger, God to do whatever? We've got an empty hall downstairs. There's no one downstairs now right under my feet. Why couldn't we have somebody praying during the teaching and the preaching? You know what they say? I think it was uh, McShane that ministered up in Scotland. They asked the, the secret of, of, of his ministry, and one of the people said, the secret of that ministry is that whenever he was in the pulpit preaching, there were people within the body of Christ underneath him in the lower part of the building that were lifting him up and praying God's power and usefulness in the life of that church. It might be better to have less people here and more people there because you know what we need? We need a work of God. If anything's going to happen, it's going to be because of it. It's a work of God. You know what Paul did? Paul said, I would, I would love to be with you, but may the Lord make you an 